Brothers and sisters, we are in a study on what it means to be a son of God. What it means to be a son of God. And uh, that term comes to us from the adoption right or being placed as sons. And so I want to review that from last week quickly. There were three stages in Jewish life that a son would celebrate his becoming the full heir of his father's inheritance. The first stage was at eight days. After eight days being born, he was brought to the temple for circumcision to declare that he would become a child of the covenant, one who was a son of Abraham. We saw Jesus in the temple on the eighth day. And uh, this declared that he became a child of God in covenant and so that all the promises to Abraham were now his promises as well. And you remember when you came to a knowledge of the Lord, your heart was circumcised, Paul says, and you came into salvation to the full inheritance to now have the right to be called a child of God. John 1.14, John 1.12, so that you had the authority to be called a son of God. And as a baby or a babe in Christ, you were born again, born from above. The next stage we see in Jewish life is that of age 12, the bar mitzvah. At age 12, you then became responsible, not only as a child of the covenant, but you now became responsible in that covenant to the law that superintended it. And so at age 12, you got introduced to the pedagogue or the superintendent, the law that you are now responsible to for the rest of your life. And you, as the law would point out, were no different from Jew or Gentile. Uh, the law saw everyone as equal. And uh, as we found out, as Paul says, uh, there are none righteous, no, not one. And so the law would treat you no differently as a Jew or a Gentile. All were found guilty under it. And we did our best to obey the law and, and do what we could. At age 12, a child was then uh, responsible as a son to the Lord to be uh, now an apprentice to the father, to learn the way of the father. And that's what the, the superintendent, the pedigree would do, would teach us unto the way of becoming sons of God. And it would teach us right from wrong. And we would walk even with the slave children and it would teach us equally with them and it would correct us, it would rebuke us, it would chastise us. And we became apprentices of the father's way to learn his ways. But there was a third place in Hebrew tradition and society when you became, as Paul says, adopted. And that's not the same meaning as we use here in the Western civilization. Now, we simply say adoption is someone who doesn't have a parent or a family. We adopt them and bring them in, and they become part of our family. In essence, that's true of Christianity. That did happen. God brought us in and grafted us into the vine. But the deeper meaning of adoption in Scripture that Paul is referencing is the placement of sonship. That happened at age 30. At age 30 is when a man became strong and he would take on the father's burden, the father's responsibility for the inheritance. All that is the father's is now mine. That's what Jesus was saying. And so at the ceremony of adoption, when you would become placed as a son, you were no longer under the pedagogue. You were no longer under the schoolmaster or the superintendent of the law. You were now brought out and now a full inheritor of the Father's will and the Father's purposes. 
And so you were now called a son of God. And at that ceremony, the father would come and present his son, lay his hands on him and his cloak around him and say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Because now the son has the same authority to speak for the father. And if you were to ask him, what gives you the right to say that or do that? He would say, because the father and I are one. And so when I speak, I speak the authority of the kingdom of my father. And so the son at sonship adoption, at the placement of sonship, would take on the authority and the power of his father's house. He would take on the burden of his father's heart. He would not do his own will, but he would always do that of the will of his father. He would represent father and do father's decree and father's purpose. And in doing so, he walked in the authority of sonship. And that's what Paul is telling us he wants us to walk in. All of creation is groaning. All of the earth is groaning. You and I are groaning. We're groaning for maturity. We're groaning to walk. In fact, this is not only something that is taking place and will fully take place at the redemption of our bodies, but Paul is in fact using this reference to Israel in the book of Romans, saying right now is when you, Israel, should have walked into the placement of sons. That's what this New Testament's all about. It's the new sonship placement. It's the time that now the law has been fulfilled so the sons of God can take their place in the earth and begin to manifest the Father's will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But he's looking for people who will walk and have his heart. It's time for us to walk in our placement of sonship. And that's what he's looking for. Now with that comes the privilege of a particular phrase. And that's what I want to share with you this morning, the Abba cry. What does it mean to cry Abba Father? Now, if you look at many uh, commentaries and books about the term Abba Father, you'll find out that it is in fact Aramaic and Greek combination of words. The Aramaic, the language that Jesus spoke in his day and others spoke, uh, Abba means Daddy, it's a term of endearment. Papa, daddy. And so there's a, there's a sense of endearment there that the Jews were not familiar with in calling Jehovah God daddy. They wouldn't dare take on the adoption or placement of sonship in the realm that they could call God daddy. But Jesus says he is Abba. Then it is coupled with the Greek word for father, so there is still the respect and the honor of father. But Jesus cries out, Abba, Father. And, and most of our commentaries and most of our studies keep us there. Uh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that nice that the Spirit cries in us, Abba, Father? We can call him our daddy. But on closer inspection of those scriptures, brothers and sisters, it's not a soft, cuddly, cooing, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, comes out of us when we are in great distress. When it feels that we are being crushed in our hearts and minds and beings. There are only three places in Scripture that Abba is used. 
The interesting point is this. A slave can never use the term Abba towards his master. Only a son. And so as you come into sonship and you come into son placement of adoption, that is when you can begin to call him Abba. When you take on the burden of the Father, He is now your Daddy. He is now your Abba. There is a level of intimacy that those who do the work and slave cannot call Him Abba. But a true Son who now walks under the burden and under the Spirit of Father can now call Him Abba. Because only you know the heart and the burden of Father. He says, you are no longer slaves, for slaves do not know what the master desires or wills. But I call you friend, because now you know, and I'm paraphrasing, now you know my heart. And when you know Father's heart, you can cry Abba. Only three scriptures use the term Abba. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus uses it, and then Paul references it in Romans and Galatians. Paul is obviously referencing it to Jesus and Christ's usage of it in the Garden of Gethsemane. What's interesting, though, is this, that the book of Galatians is written before the book of Mark. 20 years before Mark is written. Romans is written 10 years after Galatians and 10 years before Mark is even written. So where did Paul get the information that Jesus cried out in the garden, Abba, Father? Well, he happened to hang around with the people that were there. Peter, John. And so in the early church, they heard the gospel. They knew the gospel. And it came time for them to write it down as the church began to multiply and grow throughout the world. They recognized we must write down the narratives of Christ. And Paul was teaching it, and Paul was declaring it in all the churches, and so he referenced it in the book of Galatians. But let me take you to the first count of Abba, where we find it. Please turn with me to Mark chapter 14, verse 35. Mark 14, 35. Now, it is believed that Mark, John Mark, who wrote this gospel, was writing down Peter's account of Jesus. It is believed that the Gospel of Mark is actually Peter's account of the Gospel. At the same time, we see in the book of Mark that there was a young boy at the Last Supper who ran out and followed the twelve into the garden. And when the soldiers came, it says the little boy took off. He was wrapped in a cloak. And when the guards came, he ran away naked, getting out of there. Many believe that was whom? Mark, because the Last Supper was held at his house, his mother's house. So we see an intertwining here of people who are connected to this story. But in Mark 14, please let's look at verse 35. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, we'll start at verse 32, they went to a place called Gethsemane. This is right after the Last Supper where he says, I must leave you. 
And they sang the Hillel, the hymn, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Would you say that with me? Deeply distressed and troubled. Please, we need to get into the realm of Abba. Would you say it one more time with me? Deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Jesus is in a place where he says, I don't know if I can make it. I am so troubled. My heart is so disturbed. I am so broken. I have no strength within me. I feel I may die. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it is possible this hour, that this hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Father, is a plea unto the Father to understand Father's heart. And to relinquish your will to do Father's will. What is the purpose of a son standing as heir to the Father? He is to perform the Father's will. He is to execute Father's purpose. That is the placement of a son. And he did that for three years as he was placed uh, at baptism in sonship to Father. And as he is doing this, he comes to the place in the garden where he must execute the very reason he lives and the very reason he exists uh, as a human on this earth. And he comes forth. He says, oh God, this hour is burdensome to me. This is the point that I'm broken. I can't take it. Could it pass? Could it? No, not my will, but thine be done. That's what Abba means. I know your heart. Now look at, I want you to see something. It says in Luke chapter 22 verse 25. You don't have to go there. I'll read it to you. Just mark it down. Luke 22 25. After praying this, he arose from prayer. He went back to his disciples and he found them asleep. And we get down on them and we say, how could you be so uh, worried about your own situation and cry, you know, uh, uh, not even caring about his burden. But when you read that verse, read it all the way to the end. It says, of the disciples. It says that he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Peter, James, and John were crying their eyes out. They were weeping profusely, burdened by losing their Messiah, not understanding exactly what's taking place. They saw Jesus so disturbed, so troubled, so burdened, they began to weep and they began to wail to God. It wasn't because they didn't care. It was because they cared so much that they themselves broke down in such exhaustion that they collapsed. There's anguish in the garden. There's anguish in our lives. He is a man acquainted with grief and with sorrows. The writer of Hebrews says that he was troubled. I'll read it to you from the book of Hebrews. 
It says in Luke, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. In Hebrews, it says, during the days of Jesus' life, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he, what he heard, uh, because of his reverent submission, he was heard. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. There's suffering in the garden. The disciples are just exhausted from weeping and crying out to God for Jesus. They don't fully comprehend. Jesus has blood, his blood vessels in his face because he's crying out with such exhaustion and crying out with such emotion. They break in his face and blood begins to drip out of his pores. And this is the cry of Abba. When Paul says, the Spirit comes in and cries within us, Abba, Father. The word for cry is kradzo. It is meaning a cry from the very depth of one's soul. So when the Spirit comes in, and when you and I cry, Abba, Father, it's not cuddly coo, oh, he's my daddy. It's anguish. God feels your pain. God knows your anguish. And the Spirit intercedes within us with groanings that cannot be uttered. It is a cry, Abba, Abba, Abba. It's anguish. It is a Spirit-driven cry on your behalf just as the son cried to the father not my will thy will a true son who cries abba father is crying for the heart of daddy to understand to understand daddy daddy Jesus cries out, oh God, if there be any way. No, no. He cries, Daddy, I want to know your heart, not my will, thy will. There was a moment in my life where I saw that in my own son's eyes, he was two or three and he had fallen and hit his head on the corner of a table and it cut open the corner of his eye. We had to take him to the hospital. And as I'm holding him and he's weeping and he's crying, we have to take him into the emergency room. And as he's in the emergency room, they have to numb his eye with a needle and they have to begin stitching it. And the doctor said, Dad, you're going to have to hold him down. And it was everything within me to want to pick him up. And I had to hold him down. And in his eyes, he's looking at me, Daddy, Daddy, don't let them do this to me. Daddy, he's crying, Daddy, Abba. He's trying to understand why I am holding him down in this pain. Jesus is crying, Abba, 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 as the Father holds him to the cross and says, this must be done. This must be done. And as I'm telling my son, Ben, they have to do this for you. It's for what's good for you. He doesn't understand and he's searching my eyes as I am holding him down. Jesus is in anguish. 
It is that spirit of Abba Father. It is ready for you to be placed as a son when you will now be able to take the burden of our Father. That you would be held down to this earth and you would stay in your place so that you may save another and you may touch another life. And you may have to be burdened with the situation you're in or burdened with a trial or a trouble so that you could reach yet another. It's time for us to cry, Abba, Father. To know Daddy's heart for this situation. And to carry Daddy's burden for the life we're living right now. You've heard the prophecies. We've hoarded, we've cluttered, we've ignored God wants sons who are ready to be placed as sons for when the Spirit then will cry out, Abba, Father. Let us go to those verses so that I can bring that point home. Turn with me to Galatians 4, 6. In the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 6, read it last week, Paul says this in Galatians 4, I'll start at verse 4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, and here it is, the adoption, the placement, that we might receive the full rights of sons, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart. The Spirit who calls out. The Spirit who cries out. Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. We're responsible for this world. We're responsible to carry out the commission of Christ. We're responsible for the souls of men and women on this earth. Now as sons... He sends the spirit of adoption. In other words, the spirit of maturity, the spirit of sonship, the spirit that then now readies you to cry like Jesus in the garden. Abba, Abba, Father, heart of the Father, I want to know you. Not my will, but thy will be done. A true son does not do his will. He does the Father's will. God is looking for his church. To rise into sonship. True sonship weeps and wails in anguish of Father's heart. We've learned the riches of this covenant. We've learned the blessings and the benefits. And necessarily so. The church has been apprenticing, learning how to pray for the sick so that there could be healing. We've been apprenticing, learning the gifts of prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We've been growing and learning them. We've had our conferences. We've been learning the power of worship. It's all good. It's all good. We've been learning it all. But now God says, will someone take responsibility? Will someone now act as a son, taking all the good, all the blessings, all the tools that you've learned in your apprenticeship, but now would you come to the Father's heart? 
would you cry out, Abba, I need to know Daddy's heart. Not just for me, but him. He wants a people who knows his heart. We've got so much scar tissue and brokenness. We've been asking him to search our hearts. We've been asking him to help us understand who we are. But it's time now. It's time for the sons to be adopted so that we would find out Daddy's heart and cry, Abba. Turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 15. Every reference to Abba is a cry, is a calling out, is one of anguish. Romans 8, 15. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Catching the references, right? We've studied this. You're not a slave any longer with the pedagogue under the law. You've now been released. You've now moved into sonship. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption in the King James. The spirit of sonship. That's what adoption means. The spirit of sonship. And by Him, who? The Spirit. We what? We what? We what? cry we cry that's what adoption does that's what sonship does I carry the burden of my father is my father satisfied with the condition of the world is my father satisfied with the condition of his children is my father satisfied that we have taken the ground that the enemy has taken Is my father's heart satisfied to see so many bound by sin, bound by affliction, bound in depravity? It's my burden now as a son of God. Oh, we talk about the manifested sons of God that will lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. We shall speak with new tongues. We shall do great and mighty exploits. We'll take this city. We'll run on the walls. We'll blow the trumpet. But who has a burden for the Father's heart? Who weeps like Daddy weeps? We're all so full of what He's going to give us, but what good is it if you don't have His heart? Uh, we, know the, we know the equations and, and we know the explanations of how these spiritual tools work. And when we don't see the results, we walk away and say, well, they must have issues. Where's the burden of the sons of God who carry the burden of the Father? We cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, and heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. That's awesome. But he goes on, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may share in His glory. If indeed, there's an if here. You want to say you're a son of God, and that Spirit comes into you 
crying, Abba, Father, because you know the suffering of Abba, Father, crying. That's what Paul said later in Galatians. I read to you Galatians 4.6. Galatians 4.19 says, In the anguish of childbirth, we prayed for you until Christ was formed in you. That's Abba crying. I want to give you a new dimension to Abba Father. It's not just that Daddy loves you. It's not just that you can cuddle in His arms. But it is taking on the responsibility of Father's anguish. It all goes back to Jesus in the garden and the anguish He was experiencing under the weight of the burden of why He was sent. He was sent to do Thy will, O God. To do Thy will. And in the burden of Father's will, the Spirit cries, Abba, Will we move in such a place of maturity that we will allow the Spirit to give us Father's heart? That we will begin to cry, Abba, for the people we walk by every day. You say, I can't take it. There's too much misery. That's why the Spirit has to give this cry. That's why it's a spiritual dimension that you've got to walk into. It's a dimension of the Spirit that you can't carry the burden. Jesus says, you be yoked with me. My burden is light. I'll carry the weight, but my Spirit will do the cry. It's time for us, brothers and sisters, to learn how to intercede in a realm of the Spirit that we can handle. What happens with many of us, our eyes begin to get open to the burden around us. We can't handle it. We're busted and broken. But that's why he said, my spirit is making intercession within you with groans that cannot be uttered. He knows the will of the Father and he speaks it out through you. It's a time to be used by the Holy Spirit in anguish. What could be accomplished, brothers and sisters, if we would, as a church, once again begin to understand the cry of a son, Abba, Daddy, Abba, Daddy, when we would put ourselves under the burden of God and come to the altar and pray, O God, weep in the Spirit, crying in the Spirit, then being released by the Spirit. It's a dimension of prayer that we need to move in. It's a dimension of a Christian walk that we could still survive in this world, still exist one to another, but carry that burden in the Spirit. God is looking for a people who will walk into that level of mature sonship. May I say that when you walk in there, you begin to see the sovereignty of God. Your faith raises to a level beyond what you could imagine. Because when you get into Abba theology, one man put it this way. I read it this morning. He calls it primal scream theology. Primal scream theology. That's what Abba is. It's a depth of cry that began in the garden for the human race out of God's own heart. It is a cry echoed in the garden once again 
by Jesus Christ. He wants us to travail. It is the scream of the crucified who say, not my will, but thy will be done. Not many children know the Father's pain. And in that place you begin to see the sovereign act of God. You begin to see this is beyond your ability, beyond your scope. It is only God and God alone who can solve this. It is God who holds all things in His hands. It is God who has the timing of all things. Your confidence level grows. You begin to understand Abba's heart. He gives us a robe and He gives us a ring. But He wants you to have His heart. 